Welcome to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with your host, Leo Flowers. I am Leo Flowers. Today, I want to talk about two things. One, we're going to talk about chronic pain. And two, and chronic pain and its effect on intimacy, connection, relationships, but also how to manage chronic pain. And then two, we're going to talk about reframing. That's right. So we got we have two things we want to cover. So let's hop into it. Chronic pain, it's something um, that's really relevant for me right now. As I'm recording this, I, um, I've talked about my bilateral sciatica, and I went in to the doctor, got an x-ray, and they discovered that I have like a bursa flare-up on my right side. So it's made it very challenging for me to lay on my side, actually to the point where I can't lay on my side at all. I can't sit down for very long. And it's been like this for months now, actually. Part of the downside of it, besides not being able to sleep on my side and uh, sit down very long, is that it's kind of, it's definitely interfered with the intimacy, the physical intimacy and connection between myself and Michelle, between myself and Michelle. And the reason I'm bringing this up is I am imagining that there are a number of people, a number of you who are listening in, who struggle, suffer with chronic pain, and it's created some space between you and your loved ones, whether it's your, uh, your partner or your kids or your friends, where because of the chronic pain, you're not showing up in the way that you used to. Um, you know, if my friends want to go to a movie, I'm looking up to see how long the movie is. What kind of chairs or seats does the movie theater have? Because I can't just sit in any seat and I can't sit through, a, I think that that new movie, uh, Flowers of the Killer Moon, is three and a half hours <laughs> long. So I would definitely be standing during a portion of that movie. Um, and if so, if this is something that you're going through, what I found to be very important is constantly communicating with the people in your life because a part of them can start to feel like you just don't want to participate in their life. You don't want to spend time with them. Um, they may start to internalize it or think there's something about them that um, has uh, is put in a distance between you two. And so when we have a chronic pain that is unseen by others, it really is challenging to have them understand the, the level of pain that we're in and how much is really impacting how we're navigating through our life. I, I've gotten to the point where I now want to get rid of my furniture like not furniture but like I have a couch in my office I'm like anything that's too soft that's gonna as asking me to sit down for too long I want to get rid of I only want to I like to standing walking I'm kind of getting used to it now and I even remember watching this TV show called bittersweet and in it this this girl is visiting her friend's apartment for the first time and notices she doesn't have any chairs or couches. And the reason she gives is she said it, it makes her lazy. And this other book that I'm reading called Joyful 
is talking about this idea of negative space where uh, instead of furnishing everything with chairs and couches, you actually remove those things and put up a hammock or a swing or monkey bars. Things that, that one, give us more space to move naturally, and two, that ask of us to engage in the space, i.e. the monkey bars. Or I have a friend, she had a yoga, uh, silk, uh, aerial yoga hookup in her living room, and Michelle had that also. So I'm actually learning how to exist in my space in ways that I otherwise would not have thought of because of the chronic pain. And I'm, I'm, I feel inspired by it, this, this new way of being in a space, thinking of a space, thinking about how to um, furnish the space in ways that I can incorporate or bring in more things that allow me to be more active instead of sitting down. Uh, now when I read books, I walk and read. And, and I want to thank uh, Dr. Andrew Huberman, who has a, a podcast also and has been a guest on this podcast. Uh, so go check that out. But in an interview, he was talking about how he uh, walks and reads. And when I first heard that, I was like, that's so weird. Like, why would you do that? That can't be comfortable. Uh, some of the books, like uh, I'm still reading War and Peace. <laughs> For those of you who are, you know, what's funny is I've been reading War and Peace for maybe a year now, but I've I've read like 50 other books in the meantime. Uh, but War and Peace is just so dense. It really takes uh, a while to get through. And nor do you want to speed read through War and Peace. There's too much to unpack in, uh, in every chapter and every part of it. But it's a beautiful book. It's a beautiful book, and I'm, I'm actually savoring uh, every moment of it. Uh, but going back, so, uh, you know, because of the sciatic pain, I've, I'm actually learning, um, I'm actually getting more steps in. I've, I've, I, was, I was averaging, I think, like 3,000 steps. Now I'm averaging 13,000 steps, and I'm, I'm walking and reading, which I actually love to do. And then I'll sit down when I need to take notes. But otherwise, I'm, I'm walking and reading. So I hope that any of you out there, um, oh, so today I'm going to go get uh, an injection in my hip, uh, a steroid, uh, anti-inflammatory steroid injection in my hip because I have a 14-hour um, a flight uh, that I have to hop on. And this pain, it just, it could feel like my feet are on fire sometimes, uh, as does my hip. So I don't want to take any type of painkiller. I'd rather take a, a steroid. So I've never had an injection like that. So it'd be interesting to see what that experience is like. Um, I had another doctor actually prescribe for me um, an oral um, anti-inflammatory. Um, these I forget what the pills are, but they're steroid pills that he wanted me to take. The side effect, though, from the pills were insomnia. And I was like, for me, sleep is my foundation of my mental health. Without sleep, everything else collapses. My mental health, my physical health, my spiritual health. I like sleep is my higher power. So I got the prescription that he uh, gave me as a backup, but I'm hoping 
I never have to use it just because of the insomnia. And it has some other side effects, depression. I don't need more depression. <laughs> I don't need less sleep and I don't need more depression. Uh, but it's a backup. So I bring that up to say when you are prescribed medications, really understand all of the side effects and understand how it's going to work with any other meds that you're working and ask yourself, is it worth the trade-off? For me right now, those pills are not worth the trade-off, but the, in, the direct injection into the site um, is for now. Uh, so let's hop into reframing. I have a watch. I love watches. I love the idea of a watch. I love um, romanticizing a watch. Um, I have this Casio. It's a $10 watch vibration alarm it vibrates when the alarm goes off i bought it because it vibrates uh with the alarm i hate um alarm sounds you know my cell phone has all these different chimes and alarm sounds i hate all of them they, they, they're all too loud annoying jarring uh disruptive but um but to vibrate when it's done perfect it's on my wrist i love it and it's just a regular watch it's not like an iphone watch uh, with all the other distractions, just a $10 watch with a, a timer that vibrates. I love it, right? However, I have been self-conscious about wearing it on stage because on stage when I'm performing, I do stand-up comedy also and also um, do webinars or um, you know, I give talks on mental health. And I wear this watch and I go, ah, you know, I dress so nicely. Uh, is this watch, is it dressed up enough? Is it enough? And then I was at a, uh, a function for Toastmasters. And Toastmasters, if you don't know, is a place where you learn to, uh, you get to practice uh, public speaking. And my buddy said to me, hey, man, nice watch. And I was like, what? He goes, yeah, man, nice watch, man. That's a, it's a Casio, right? And I was like, yeah, yeah. He goes, and I, and I go, yeah, yeah, you know, it's just a $10 watch. He goes, no, but it's a nice watch, man. It, it really uh, says who you are, right? It's, I said, how so? And he said, um, that watch lets me know that you're active and animated, right? Because that's, that's really who you are. You're a very active and animated person. And that reframe of my watch, of this $10 watch, signifying that I'm active and animated, now has removed the self-consciousness that I have about the price of the watch, right? Because I, I love watches and to the point where like I'm looking at like the holy trinity of watches. I, I love like the Audemars, the Patek Philippe's, the Constantines, right? But especially the Constantine because I went into their store with my mom and they treat us like such royalty. Uh, just the, the respect. And, love. and I wasn't even trying to buy a watch. I just wanted to look at the watch and and so I'll never forget that experience. I'll never forget that treatment, the way they made my mom feel. That, to me, was what I would buy their watch for. And this podcast is not sponsorship by them. But you, you just don't, you don't forget how things make you feel, whether they make you feel seen, heard, or whether they, they make you feel small and inadequate, right? And I just remember walking into the the watch store for Constantine and just feeling like um, I was like we were the only people who mattered 
you know. And, and so there was something very special about that. And and I realized like that's what a watch is, and that's what a lot of objects are for people. Um, they're just they're stories. It's a story. There's a there's a story behind it. And and my my buddy made a great point. He said people who are really into watches don't look don't um, concern themselves with the value of the watch. It's not about oh, this is a $100,000 watch, this is a $10,000 watch, this is a $10 watch. What they're more fascinated by is to why you're wearing the watch. That's what people who are really into watches care about. And I was like, whoa, the why of it all. Like, are you? did you get it because it's a $100,000 watch? That's boring. But do you have a story behind it? Was it your father's watch or... Uh, did you see it in a in a movie and uh, you look like the character, like whatever, like w- why do you have the watch versus what kind of watch is it and, um, you know, and, and what what is the value of it? That simple reframe, it's so powerful. And, and, I, and I encourage you, you know, I don't know what you're going through, but if there's a way you can reframe your experience, what you have, you you know, you might live in a squalid studio apartment um, above, uh, a, you know, a, a noisy, loud restaurant. Uh, it's all these different smells wafting in, and there might be, uh, you know, roaches or, or what have you around. But is there a way you can reframe your experience? Or if you're going through chronic pain or a breakup or if you owe someone money, like, how can you reframe your experience in a way that is empowering for you instead of embarrassing to you? I want to go back to chronic pain and how to alleviate it. I gave a speech at Toastmasters about the five ways that I manage chronic pain. And I'm going to share that with you. And I've shared it in previous episodes in, in different forms and fashions. But the way I framed it last night was a way in which I had never framed it before. And it's the, the daily germs, journal, exercise, read, meditate, and self-talk. Um, journaling, basically, when, we, when people take opioids, which are painkillers, right, to deal with their chronic pain, the opioids release endorphins. So when we take opioids... We're not putting something in our body that is alleviating the pain. The opioids just act as a mechanism to unlock the endorphins that we already have in our body to alleviate the pain. Specifically, dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, endorphins, it releases all of those, but mostly dopamine. And so through journaling, exercising, reading, meditating, self-talk, those are ways in which we can also release dopamine. So I want to be I want to get a bit more specific as I did in the talk. Journaling. How do we journal in a way to release dopamine? Don't just journal regularly. Journal with your non-dominant hand. It does two things. One, journaling releases oxytocin, which is a feel-good chemical in our body. Two, journaling with our non-dominant hand Uh, forces our brain to focus more on what we're writing than on the pain that we're feeling. 
right? So basically, we want to give our brain something that's a bit more challenging, that really requires our focus and attention so that we're not constantly thinking about the pain. Because even as I'm podcasting now and I have the pain on my, my right side, because I'm podcasting, I'm focusing more on you know, our conversation than I am on my pain. So to, to do something uh, that's more engaging, like journaling with our non-dominant hand, and freestyle journal, just grab a yellow pad and fill out the page. Um, I actually would recommend three pages. It will take you some time, but you will feel vascular and empowered, and there's a buoyancy that comes from journaling and really dumping out all the things. Don't worry about your grammar. Don't worry about spelling. Just dump it out, right? Second thing is exercise. Now, when I talk about exercise, I'm not just talking about physical exercise in terms of walking or or swimming, um, what have you. Um, I'm also talking about brain exercises. I did an episode before about verbal fluency. That's a brain exercise where basically you would take uh, the letters F, A, and S. F as in Frank, A as in Apple, S as in Sam. And you would uh, set your timer for one minute and list out all, try to uh, name as many things that start with the letter F as possible uh, in one minute. And then um, do the same thing with A and do the same thing with S. So for instance, you would set your timer, go and if you're starting with f you would be like uh follow frank freeze foot uh you know feli fecal uh fringe fridge former uh fee fee fiji whatever like so you would do that for one minute and the goal is to get to 30. if you can get to 30 uh, and you may not get to 30 on all of them, but hopefully you're average throughout the three uh, or 30. If you're below 20, you may have some cognitive issues that need to be addressed or English might be your second language, right? So uh, brain exercises, doing things that engage the brain. And those are things you can look up. And if you, you know, if FAS is too challenging, you can um, try to name as many fruit as possible in uh in one minute right or um, as many states try to list all 50 states things that engage your brain brain exercises and then the third part is reading now not just any type of reading there are three books um when i think about what helped me to manage my my pain um they kind of fall into the same category and the three books are the boys in the boat Endurance by uh, the story of Shackleton and Unbroken. These are all true stories. Um, Stories, true stories about humanity overcoming massive obstacles and big challenges. When you, when we read those types of stories, it, we can't help but to be empowered and encouraged to keep going, to keep living. In a story of endurance, it's about a ship um, in Antarctica with 33 men that crash, and they are stuck in Antarctica for 
three years. Three years. This is early 1900s, like 1902. Three years. One guy even has a heart attack and somehow lives through the heart attack. All 33 men survived three years in Antarctica in 1902. It's the most harrowing story. Boys in a boat, same thing. Even if you're not in the rowing, um, there's one boy overcoming insurmountable odds uh, and then unbroken. Fascinating. They did a movie about it. When we read those types of stories, oh my God, goodness, we, we're just reminded of how powerful we can be and how much we can endure and get through. So reading, but reading the types of stories that um, where it's, it's man versus, you know, nature type of thing. And I even love to watch like those documentaries of people climbing Mount Everest or uh, Mount Fiji, just stories of people overcoming massive challenges, but especially when they do it as a group versus uh, a lone person. And you could read uh, somebody on a solo journey, but I really have found that um, reading about a group of people overcoming a thing, powerful. And then meditation. Now with meditation, I like to focus on breath work, HRV breathing. You can uh, look that up. HRV breathing is basically inhaling for five seconds, exhaling for five seconds. And you do that for about anywhere from three to five minutes. That's it. Three to five minutes of inhaling for five, exhaling for five. And if you go on YouTube, they have HRV breathing videos that are that have sound cues. So the sound will tell you when to inhale and when to exhale. And it's, it's set up in five-second increments. So HRV breathing. Check that out as a way of meditation. And then last one is self-talk. And when we talk about self-talk, I don't mean this like positive life is beautiful. Everything's wonderful. Uh, you know, I'm peaches and roses. I'm not talking about that kind of self-talk. I'm talking about the kind of self-talk that is neutral, right? So a lot of our self-talk is typically negative. You know, my body sucks. Life is awful, blah, blah, blah. Or, you know, we try to swing it in the other direction. Everything's going to be great. It's going to turn out wonderful. It's going to be amazing. But, I um, recommend neutral self-talk, practicing neutral self-talk. Instead of saying, uh, my body is awful, say, I have a body. Instead of saying, life sucks, be like, I am living. This is life, right? So take the judgment out of it. Take the label out of it. Take the emotional charge out of it and just practice neutral self-talk. And, and a way to do this is, you know, kind of listen to your self-talk and write it out, you know, whether it's negative or extremely positive, and then go through and write uh, neutral statements. Um, to, you know, so like if you find yourself being like, you know, um, my partner sucks, be like, I have a partner, right? So catch yourself when you're labeling things or judging things, whether it's in the positive or the negative, and then find a way to uh, frame it in the neutral. So I hope from this episode that 
you know, the main takeaway I want you to get from this is how important it is to, uh, to frame things in a way that empower us instead of embarrass us, right? And that, um, that in a way that um, nurtures, nurtures our values and our beliefs and our, and our love of self versus something that um, is taking us away and disconnecting us from self. Uh, if you found any value in this episode, please take seven seconds to share it with one other person and, you know, talk to them, ask them, how are they, how do they manage their chronic pain? Are they, you know, most Americans are dealing with some type of back pain, uh, neck pain. Most people are dealing with, especially in teenagers, really the numbers are going up. Um, and, and also like if you're into watches, <laughs> Ask them if they're into watch. I mean, share the episode and really use it as a way to springboard into a, 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 a deeper and bigger conversation. Thank you for tuning in. Remember, this podcast is not a substitute for you calling the 988 or any of the 800 numbers. You can chat, talk, text. You can go to thrivewithleo.com for one-on-one coaching with yours truly. Let's get to tomorrow together.